Hi everybody, welcome to the Specsavers PAC Audiology Podcast. As part of our online conference this year, we've put together a series of episodes where we'll speak to some of our keynote speakers to give you guys a little bit of an insight into what to expect from them at conference this year, but more importantly, to get a little bit of an idea as to who they are. So for episode one, I sat down with Jack Bennett from Intraacoustics to have a virtual cup of tea and to get a bit of an insight into what we can expect from him at conference this year. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. Um, so Jack will be joining us uh, at our online uh, PAC conference this year. So what we thought we'd do is, is give you a bit of an insight into what Jack will be presenting and actually give you a bit of an insight into who Jack actually is. So I'm an audiologist by training. Um, I'm a regional sales manager for Interacoustics. So I, um, I'm across the whole portfolio, uh, which means I work with every bit of audiology equipment you can think of. Uh, so I sell and also train staff on it. So I have to sort of keep myself across every, every part of audiology, really. Um, I got into audiology by being a patient of audiology in the first place. So I had bilateral cholesteatomas as a child. So just uh, before you go any further, for those of you who are studying and are doing a, either a foundation degree HAD course or are doing the BSA, BSc course, Jack is a great case study patient. Um, and if you don't know what a cholesteatoma is, definitely Google it. Sorry, yeah. you were saying. So you're a no, patient of audiology. I was, yeah. So I, I had had, um, I was the classic glue ear child. So I had loads and loads of glue ear, uh, lots of ear infections, um, lots of antibiotics, all of that sort of thing. Then I moved house and actually got a new GP who took one look in my ears and said, yeah, you've missed something here. Um, and I was I was full of cholesteatomas bilaterally. Oh, wow. So I was pretty much sort of rushed off to ENT at that point. And I think it was within within a couple of weeks, I was uh, I had my first of, I think it was nine surgeries in the end on, on the two ears together. Uh, so left ear was was all OK. So I managed to scoop everything out of the left ear. Um, had got a small mastoid cavity in the left, but that was packed um, and had a tympoplasty on the left. So I've got sort of a nice reconstructed outer ear there with pretty much normal hearing, a little bit of high frequency wow. loss. The right ear, it was all too, um, too progressed. So all of the ossicles have come out, pretty much all of them have come out, but I haven't got an acicular chain anymore. Um, so I've got, yeah, really useful ear for, uh, for those that are training which is yeah I imagine there are probably going to be a few clinicians that are listening to this that are thinking that they just want to get their hands on a video otoscope and be able to look into your ear just to have a look at how that how that looks um so if you've got any VO images of your ears I'm sure some of our clinicians would absolutely love to see what they actually look like so you basically went from patient to audiologist yeah. And it was, I'm guessing from what you said, it was through your experiences of the audiology department that made you interested yeah. in being a clinician. How do you find it now? So from your experiences of being on the other side of it, so being that patient, how do you find being an audiologist? It's, it's brilliant. So I think it's the biggest privilege I have, um, which is being able to to help people. And I think the reason that I got into doing more of the um, sort of professional to professional work rather than yeah. working in clinics a lot is because um, I got a really good opportunity early on to to spend some time training colleagues on new techniques and things. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely loved the idea of speaking to five to 10 to 20 people in a day 
um, and then them being able to go and implement those things the next day. And if you oh, okay. just trained five people, then, you know, that's five days worth of clinics tomorrow that get um, helped. Whereas when I'm developing myself, I can only help one person at a, t- at a time Yeah. as a clinician. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's a massive privilege to be able to to help people and to hopefully give them the experience that I had, um, because my my audio, my hearing has hasn't really suffered yeah. in, in a very weird way. I've got a big conductive loss, but my my hearing life most people don't notice that there's um there's damaged hearing there, and that's partly because of hearing aids, but also partly because of a brilliant audiologist early on who taught me really how to live with a hearing loss yeah and how to change situations such that my hearing loss doesn't really um affect me or the people around me um and also giving me the the skills and the tools to be able to talk about my hearing loss so before a clinician before being a clinician I spoke about my hearing loss to everybody yeah um you know I was a big sportsman so I played loads of sport and contact sports so I couldn't even I couldn't wear my hearing aid during those sports the first thing I would do for any new coach would be go up you know maybe even in front of the whole team and say just so you know uh I've only got one good ear so if you're going to shout at me shout at that ear or something like that yeah um so I never really had those barriers that loads of our patients do have with communicating about it um so I get to and that's because my first audiologist really sort of broke down all those barriers straight away yeah and I guess obviously speaking as a clinician that's such a big thing when it comes to patient satisfaction and acceptance. I mean, you and I have both worked in, in a hospital yeah. environment and wow. I know that you've worked with the younger the younger age group. So I think mm. it was the teenage teenagers yeah. you've worked with, teenagers you fit hearing aids to. Um, and I know I've done similar work and it sometimes can be so difficult to get a teenager or a young adult to actually accept the fact that they have a hearing loss mm. um, and I know the very first time I met you which was oh god probably about three years ago now yeah. um, you were really open about the fact that you had a hearing loss and that you were going to be presenting on some of the experiences that you'd had and obviously if we can get a lot of our a lot of our patients a lot of our customers clients however you want to deem them if we can get if we can get them to be as open about their hearing loss as as you are I think that's definitely most of the battle won, um, for sure. Particularly with acceptance, for sure. Um, you know, and there's so much that, that you and I can do on a, on a daily basis, which is to um, to help clinicians develop. So I always yeah. think, no matter what it is you're focusing on, whether it be a new um, microception technique or a new diagnostic test or a bit of communication skills, all of that leads to the clinician being um, better and more comfortable and therefore uh, a more effective communicator and if you can make the clinician more comfortable the patient is more comfortable the more comfortable the patient is then they will actually be, they will receive this information properly and, yeah. and we know you know I've, I've never met an audiologist who doesn't talk to their patients about um, being open about their hearing loss yes but, definitely agree you know I've, I've got patients who I, I know definitely don't um, you know, I've got friends with hearing loss that I treat and they definitely don't talk about it to their even their families and I know that that would have the biggest impact if they could if they could do that so it's, it's yeah. something I'm really um passionate about really 
And I think that I think that's fantastic. And obviously, the fact that you're now in training and you're able to impart that knowledge and you know that experience, those experiences that you've had throughout your hearing journey, I think it it does have a big impact on how you deliver your training and what clinicians will take away from it. Um, mm. And obviously, that's such a, a big thing. And I think that's part of the reason why I know that we were keen to get you to present at this year's conference. And I know that you enjoy talking and you're you're quite an experienced um, speaker when it comes to things like this. So what are you going to be presenting to us at this year's um, PAC conference? Yeah, fantastic question. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this, actually. Um, so I'm doing... Some, it's a, a talk on hearing aid technology, but the idea okay. is to, uh, it's on the back of actually a uh, talk I did at BAA in Bournemouth a few years ago. Uh, yeah. And that was uh, deemed sort of a back to basics, um, kind of like a workshop. Mm-hmm. And the idea is very similar here, really stripping back the hearing aids to the core features, the core things that they do above and beyond just amplifying sound. Yeah. And the idea here is to, to give tools and techniques people can use tomorrow. So, you know, it's something I mentioned it earlier. I want people to have something they can use tomorrow straight away in clinic. Um, And we've all, we know hearing aid technology like the back of our hands, but especially the the new technology, you know, it's, oh, the new thing, we've got to learn how that works because the new hearing aids I'm getting next week are going to have them and I can't look Mm -hmm. stupid. Uh, But so often we don't remember the, you know, the, the core things of, of what a hearing aid does, compression, uh, frequency lowering, all of those sorts of things, and how to get the absolute most out of them. We can all switch them on and switch them off, and we tend to know when to use them. Uh, but really squeezing the the most out of them is, um, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. It really, really is, because hearing aids are fantastic at compression. Uh, they're fantastic at frequency lowering. They're brilliant at directional microphones. So if you can just help them be that little bit better uh, and target those features more effectively for each individual patient then um, tomorrow you will have smoother more effective hearing aid fittings so that's the the whole idea in I think it's 45 minutes we've got um, to give tools and techniques for for each one of those core features of a hearing aid um, and to look at a couple of cases that you might be able to use it in as well and hopefully they'll be really familiar cases Thing, yeah. you know patients that are literally going to turn up in your clinic tomorrow um hopefully I'll, I'll give something new to do with them that that isn't the same as you were doing yesterday or, or the same as the next patient um because so many of these features are just sort of on or off generally yes. yeah and quite often hearing aid software will switch them on and off without telling you based on some part of the audiogram um and I think that's it's really helpful and, you know, it's, it's based on some really good uh, normative data and good logic from the hearing aid manufacturers. But there's so much that you do as a clinician in the first 10 minutes of meeting your patient that will show you which of these things to use and when and, and when to teach your patient about them and when not to teach your patient about them as well. Yeah. Um, so more briefly, it's back to basics hearing aid technology but with some tips and tricks that you can use tomorrow. Sounds fantastic, really, because I think when you think about um, hearing aid technology presentations, a lot of the time it's dealing with those more complex losses, you know, the ones Mm. that you won't routinely see in your clinic room, the one that you get one in every 10 patients that comes in. So if you're saying that your talk is going to be 
based around things that you can use on sort of your everyday patient yep. so to speak it sounds like actually you should be getting a lot of interest not just from our qualified HADs but actually from the the HADs and audiologists that we've got in flight on their training programs and even maybe some of our hearing care assistants it sounds like it's mm. a topic that's broad enough to cover all all areas of the audiology journey so whether you're a trainee whether you're a qualified HAD or an audiologist it sounds like it would tick all those boxes yeah I think for for the trainees it'll be hopefully sort of uh, re-solidifying the things that you've just been learning about hearing aid technology uh for the HCAs um you know these are things that you can do on fine-tuning and follow-up appointments or it can be things you've you've seen in the notes that have been done um, but maybe your patient has obviously misunderstood it and so you can sort of go back over and, and re-instruct and reteach your patients because um, again so many of these tools you can switch them on or off on on the hearing aid but patients are going to use them as well they've got yeah. to know when to use these these lovely features oh fantastic well it definitely sounds interesting and if you don't already know when Jack's session is if you hit the agenda tab at the top of the page um you'll be able to have a look at what our agenda looks like and when you'll be able to catch Jack presenting on this uh, very interesting topic. I know I definitely will be tuning into that. Um, So from what you said to us this afternoon, it sounds like audiology probably would be your ideal career um, considering your background. But if I said to you, you had the choice to be anything else, what other career Mm. do you think you'd have, what other career do you think you'd have have explored or, or gone into? Yeah. Re- oh, wow. OK. Um, I think if I'm if I'm really honest and not thinking with my head, honest. but with my heart, yeah. um, it, I'd want to be a musician. Oh, OK. Interesting. Yeah. So do you do you currently play any instruments? Yeah, I play guitar and, and bass and I do a bit of little bit of singing. Um, oh, okay. But when I was. Don't worry, I won't make you sing on yeah, here. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 17, I was in a. Well, from the age of about 16, 15, 16 is in a band, but. Um, uh, sort of a local band around Oxford um, we were actually invited to a festival in Amsterdam Wow! and it was our make or break moment um, but we had all most of us had just got offers from universities and we all decided yeah. that actually we would go and do that instead of pursue the music so there was a real sort of fork in the road at that point and yeah. we decided we would um, we'd all pursue our our academic and oh wow fantastic jobs instead (laughs) how did so obviously you play instruments and Mm. you're a hearing aid user um how did you find playing an instrument and wearing a hearing aid because I'm assuming you were wearing a hearing aid at the time that you were you were in the band yeah yeah so I've I never had a problem with um hearing aids and and music I learned to play music after um getting the hearing aid oh okay so I started wearing a hearing aid from sort of in between those um, surgeries when I had temporary conductive loss and then after the surgeries when I had a permanent conductive loss. So I started wearing them sort of really early on. Um, so I think that's probably informed quite a lot of why I don't experience necessarily some of that distortion or that change yeah. in the way that music sounds with the hearing aid. Um, the main thing it, it did really was was make me protect my good ear more. Yes. So I soon as sort of started playing louder music, it was the, the good ear was plugged up and the, the hearing aid really acts as kind of like an active um, 
here in protection anyway because obviously it's got the MPO that it was cutting yeah. off um, so I was able to have that one open and um, and listening to the music so it yeah it never affected me quite so much and I think that's resonated with some of my patients as well because those that are really passionate about music will almost invariably find it um, strange yes. wearing hearing aids um, and so you know I talk about using the hearing aids as a as a tool and sometimes it's not the right tool for for that job so sometimes wearing hearing aids are not the right tool for for playing yeah. music but then sometimes they are so I had a patient in um, Cornwall who was a professional musician and he played folk music yeah um, and it was one of my favorite appointments ever because um, he was playing the accordion and so he was playing his accordion and, and singing and we were fine-tuning as he was going and then his um, harpist turned up and so oh, she was wow. playing the harp and I was playing the the hearing aid and he was playing the accordion um, and we're trying to match the so we gave him a, um, a performance program yeah. where we made sure the harpist was always on his left and he had more gain in the left ear than um, in the right so that he could listen more effectively to his um, to his playing partner yeah and so again we were using it as a tool but then for him when he was listening to music and appreciating music he was actually hearing aids out yeah, yeah. so we you know again it's things that I've been able to pick up as a, as a hearing aid user and um, and perhaps thinking about hearing aids in a slightly different way to to, your, to a normal clinician yeah and I think that's I think that's fantastic I think when you speak to other clinicians particularly outside of your outside of the the environment that you work in you're always able to take away something from them that might help the way that you run your clinics or might help the way that you see particular patients and I know that I know I've done it in the past where I've spoken to colleagues and I've spoken to peers and I've come away and thought oh, actually I've got a patient that might benefit from something like that and from the sounds of it your experiences and from what you'll be delivering on the talk a lot of the, a lot of our clinicians or a lot of the people tuning in will hopefully be able to take something away from it like you say that will help them out in tomorrow's clinic which yeah. obviously is is fantastic you're an audiologist you're a hearing aid user you have been through the audiology journey from both sides what advice would you give to somebody who is starting out in the field of audiology so for all our trainees that are listening or for all mm -hmm. our trainees that will be attending PAC this year what one bit of advice would you give to them can I give two because because um, it's kind of one but, okay um, okay so yeah one... because you're because you're on our first episode <laughs> um I'll let you have two set the precedent here yeah that's so the, I know the sort of overarching message is um listen listening is our strongest tool as an audiologist um it's your strongest tool as a professional working in audiology whether you're a clinician or not um listening to your patients is is really essential but the the real sort of tip that I would give if you only said one is um, get yeah. a mentor as well oh okay so get a mentor and listen to them um so you can see how they they, they do sort of yeah <laughs> I'll give you that one I'll say that it's just the one piece but you're I guess get get yourself a mentor yeah and listen definitely yeah okay fantastic listen well, in every we... aspect of what you do um so you know learn learn from your patients as well really that that particular patient that I just just spoke about um, yeah. At first, I really didn't want to set him, you know, one ear up and one ear down. But then because it was his idea. Yes. And so by listening to that and actually understanding what and why and how we were, we were going to do it, 
then I was able to to have a really effective treatment for him. I guess as clinicians, we're always a little bit dubious when a patient says, can you do this on my hearing aid? Because you always wonder where have they got their information from? Have they been on on Google or, you know, are they are they somebody who's an audiologist themselves? So I guess sometimes when you do listen to them, you can take things from the patient that you can then implement and actually help them with their journey, yeah. which I obviously I think is fantastic. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause us there because I want sure. this I want people to to still be intrigued by what you're going to be presenting. Um, <laughs> and I do want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy diary um, to to catch up with me today and to be our first guest um, on our Specsavers PAC podcast. It was um, a pleasure. Hopefully it's been a good experience for you. Sure, um, yeah. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, thank you very much, Jack. And we will see you um, at our PIC conference, conference at the beginning of October. See you then.